You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Uh, it's always so sweet when they call me pastor, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm do, I was just the pastor's wife, but, uh, but I love you guys, and we love this house. And um, thank you, Justin, sweetheart, known him since he was birthed. But uh, anyway, that makes me feel old. But um, this morning, it's so strange. It's not strange how God, uh, the last time I spoke, God just totally confirmed everything I was going to say about what we did beforehand. And that was, that was comforting for me. And so uh, I, he's already done that again this morning with the songs and what was said and everything. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time. And last time I spoke, the, um, the enemy hit me with, I, I locked myself out of my house without my phone. I thought I was going to have to work, walk to church. And then this time, my air condition went out. So I've been running from room to room this morning trying to bring a fan and do my hair and bring a fan. And, I mean, it's been crazy. It's like, devil, ugh, you know. But anyway, we're here. We're good. So. <laughs> You're sweet. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to talk this morning about grace and mercy. I'm going to try to get where I can see this. Um, this is the message that I have to preach to myself constantly, constantly, over and over, uh, the, to remind me what grace and mercy is all about. Is it going to come up? Okay. If it doesn't, it's okay. Anyway, we want to uh, remember to pray for our kids tomorrow. Um, they'll be going back to school, and we just uh, need to remember them all day. You remember how it was the first day? It's hard, and um, we just want to lift them up, and, and that they'll be little bright stars going into some of the darkness. Um, and so I know God's going to bless and take care of them. Can you find it, Justin? Okay. Well, I have these, so I'll hold this up. Is that good? <laughs> I printed them out. So the first one says, oh, there we go. Hmm. Not sure. Oh, well. Anyway, grace and mercy. We're going to talk about what is so amazing about grace and what is the true meaning of mercy. When I was young, I remembered, I always wondered, I never asked anybody, I should have, but what's the difference between grace and mercy? You know, what, what does uh, one mean that the other one doesn't, or what's added to one that's not to the other? So we're going to talk about that this morning. The first thing that we want to talk about is the definition of grace. Gra uh, Greek word charis is where grace comes from. It means undeserved favor. And we know what that means, that we don't deserve the love of God at all. Unconditional love with no strings attached. How much, of, how much of the time do we feel like there are strings attached to the love that people are giving us? Um, and it's given from a place of freedom, not expecting anything in return. And that's unusual, too, because we are human. Um, unconditional meaning there's no condition that can stop us from receiving the grace of God. We don't have any habit, any lifestyle, anything that can stop the grace of God from flowing freely to us. And then Webster says it's an unmerited divine assistance given man for his regeneration 
or sanctification. And just so that we um, kind of get the understanding, the Lord just showed me uh, a long time ago, there was a little track that we had, and it had a picture of God over here and man over here, and the, there was a cross in between, and that was representing Jesus. And so the Lord just showed me this morning, if we can kind of, I'm hoping I can kind of get a picture to you like he showed me, and that'll take the grace of God. But anyway, um, it's like God in the beginning wanted to have fellowship with us. He didn't need us. He didn't have to have us. Um, he wasn't lonely. He just wanted to fellowship with us. So he created the 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 representation of us, which was Adam and Eve first, and put them in a perfect environment. Perfect. There was nothing wrong. There was nothing broken. There was nothing. Uh, they had everything. Everything was perfect. And the thing that he gave us through them was a free will. Now, just think about it. God could have made them puppets to say, do this, do that, worship me, do this, you know, but he didn't. He gave them a free will because he, and us, a free will because he wanted us to fellowship out of our love for him that we wanted to. And so what happened when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they were curious about that one tree. If you tell your kids there's one thing in this room you can't have, what are they going to do? They're going to go for it. It's human nature. And so they did. They went for this tree. But God knew that when they got to this tree that they were going to realize what evil was. Can you imagine? They had never known evil. They never known anything bad, anything wrong. We can't even fathom that because our minds are finite. They started here and they stop here. We can't. I remember when I was little, I'd think about where did God come from? And I'd try and try and try. You know, I tried to think about all these things. And your mind just stops because the Bible says that we, we see through a glass darkly now. But one day, we're, it's all going to make sense. So we have something so awesome to look forward to. This isn't the end. This is just the beginning. But God gave us grace, the grace of his love to be able to be saved, to be able to get through this life till we can go back to him and be with him forever and ever. And so what I saw in my heart was that God in his love and his grace and everything that he is, he wanted fellowship with us so much that he allowed his only son, he had one, he, only, he allowed his only son to take on all the sins. Now, let me, let me get this. This is how I see it. If you take me, you, every person in the world that's ever lived, ever been created, if you take them, their past sins, every one of them, I mean, we could do one day in our lives, but just every one of them, past sins, present sins, and sins of the future. And when the priests used to go in, they would, they would um, kill the sacrifice for the year coming up. And so they had to prepare for their sin. So imagine every pain and every emotion and every horrible thing that goes on with every sin in the world of every person ever was put upon Jesus. Do we wonder why he sweat drops of blood, knowing he was going to literally experience that? And when the last person that he died for, that last person that he died for their last sin and everything that went with it, he took everything inside of him and said, what? It is finished. This stuff, this sin stuff, it's finished. 
We're done with that. So you say, well, why do we have sin now? It's because we have a free will, and we choose to do that. But what we don't understand a lot of times is God has to remind us, I took care of that, and we're still walking around feeling guilty or whatever about a sin 50 years ago. Because the enemy reminds us, God's not going to remind you of his sin, of your sin, because when he looks at your sin, if you say, oh God, I'm so sorry for what I did 20 years ago or what I said or whatever, it's like he's not sure what you're talking about. Because when he looks at you, you are covered by Jesus' perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice. And there was no need for another animal to be killed or sacrificed because Jesus was the perfect lamb the perfect sacrifice, no blemish. Nothing else had to be done. And so now what we're faced with is how to walk in this world. My daddy used to always tell me, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And we're not. We know that we're going to, oh, thanks, we got it. We know that this is not the end of us. This is not where we're going to end up. We're going to heaven. And the thing about grace is that God in his love had to give us the grace his unmerited favor. He had to give us that to be able to have faith. So you see where it all comes from God and it all goes back to God. There's a scripture that says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. Everything goes back to him. So you say, well, what's our part? We need to learn to love him for who he is and what he is and quit getting hung up on what we do, good or bad. You know, we think we're, some of us are so legalistic. I was raised in a very legalistic uh, church or whatever um, to where, you know, every, it was about what you did. I remember having to check off my little uh, envelope every week. Did you pray every day? Mm, I never lied, but I wanted to so bad because I didn't. And that would make it 90% because I always gave my tithe, you know. And so literally there was 100% at the end of that envelope. And it's just, ooh, I, was th- I can never be good enough, God. Now, how crazy is that? It's an envelope. But we do the same thing with our lives. We look back on something so simple that just wrecks us every time. It might be a habit. It might be the way we, or, you know, the way we behave or whatever. It's always something that the enemy pokes at us and says, you're not good enough. God's not happy with you today. In fact, he's pretty mad at you about what you did last night. But he's not. That's all lies. And one thing about God is, is that he has perfect truth in him. After mankind chose to sin in the garden, they had a perfect environment with a free will, God in his character or his essence could not fellowship with sinful man. So that's when the sacrificing started. The only way for man to get to God was through Jesus, and I explained that, until Jesus became the once and for all perfect sacrifice, and it is finished. The sin problem or the sin penalty has been paid for. We are the ones that have to deal with the problem of sin. Now we're going to look at the next one is the character of God. And I love this. Monty and I learned this years ago uh, under this guy that he was studying under. It was so interesting. We know that there is the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all God. And what makes them all, they're different persons of the Trinity, but what makes them the same is in their character. They have the same identical character. Like we have, everybody has a different DNA, right? None of us have the same DNA, not even twins. But God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have the same DNA. 
just to make it real plain, the same DNA. And what they have is sovereignty. There's 10 things. They're perfect sovereignty. They are all, um, have all authority. God is the final authority. He has, nobody has authority above God. He is perfect. They are perfect righteousness. They're right. God is right. God is always right. Um, There's perfect justice. Can you imagine having a perfect justice system? Well, God is the perfect judge. And, you know, it's so funny. I've heard people say before, you know, when we judge other people, which we're all guilty, I'm guilty, we're all guilty of prejudging people. Um, And the thing is, is that a judge is the only one who can do that because he's the only one that knows God as judge knows all of it. We judge people on what we see and what we know, which is very little. We have no idea what's going on in people's lives, and so we really don't have a place to judge. God is the judge. God is justice. He's perfect love. He is eternal life. He is eternal life. He gives us eternal life, but he is eternal life. Life is in the sun. He is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. He is omnipresent. He can be everywhere. He is everywhere. One thing about the enemy is he can't be everywhere at one time. He is not omnipresent. So if you say, you know, devil came down on my doorstep this morning, probably not, but one of his imps, you know, but he can only be one place at one time. Uh, he is, God is omnipotent, all-powerful. The enemy is not all-powerful. He makes, he roars at us. He tells us what he's going to do, but he, he, he doesn't come through. He's not all-powerful. And God is immutable. He never, ever changes. The Bible is never going to change. It's never going to change. Who God is is never going to change. Is that amazing? How fast is our world changing? Every day, every minute of the day, it's just, it's like almost spinning out of control. But God never, ever changes. So when we get freaked out about stuff, we need to come back and settle down and have some time with God because he never changes. And the last thing is he is perfect truth. Now, can you imagine how many lies and how much stuff we hear all the time? And God is perfect truth. These are some a uh, few more things about God's grace. God cannot love us at the expense of his character because if he compromised his character, it would weaken him and he would not be God. So think about it. He cannot do that. God, grace is God's freedom to express his love to us without jeopardizing his essence or his character. So he gives us our, his grace. God's righteousness could not fellowship with sinful man until the cross. Romans 3.23 says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified just as if I'd never sinned, and full of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift. Remember, grace is a gift that he gives us. Through the redemption, the buying back process that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. And propitiation is the act of regaining the favor of God. He did all that. Just think about it. We have so much. We have an amazing, amazing father. And yet, where do we get hung up? Me. Where do we get hung up? We get hung up in the daily grind of so much going on and so much time goes by that we don't spend time with the father who has all the answers and who will never leave us or forsake us. And here are a few more things about God's grace. 
daily living with grace. God's grace gives us the desire and the power to do his will. Bill Gothard said that years ago. His grace gives us the power. We have to have power to do God's will. And so he gives us that grace. And it's by grace that we're saved, not anything we've done. Ephesians 2, 8 uh, 2, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast. So we can't do this by working harder. We can't do this by doing better. We can't. Yes, we're supposed to always be learning and growing in God and in his word. But we can't do this on our own. He does everything for us. He even gives us the grace to help us get saved. Think about it. He did everything. So it's not about us. It's all about him. And it's all going back to him. Um, this one says uh, mercy. We're going to talk about the mercy of God. The great, well, before I go on to that, I'm sorry. I had a, I had a uh, song by John Newton, Amazing Grace. We've all heard this. Uh, John Newton grew up, his mom taught him the word, she helped him memorize scripture, he memorized old hymns, and he just loved her. They were evidently really close. Well, she died when he was seven, and so he was sent off to boarding school, and he would go to boarding school a while, and then he'd run away and go get on a ship, and, and just, he wanted to live the good life, but he just kept going deeper and deeper into sin, and later he was pressed into the, it said pressed into the British Navy, so I guess he had to go. He deserted and was captured and flogged. And he said, during that time, he, he thought, he said, I was capable of anything, thoughts of murder or suicide, either one. And he said, many voyages, dangers, toils, and snares followed this time of his rebellion. And then one night on, the March, on March 9th, 1748, John, who was 23 years old, now all this had happened before he was 23, poor guy, he was jolted awake in a brutal storm. It was horrible. And he cried out to the God of his youth. He cried out to God. And he said, the Lord delivered me out of deep waters. You ever been there? God has reached down so many times and yanked us out of deep waters. And slowly, it took him, it was slowly because he had run from God and rebelled. But slowly he grew in the Lord and became one of the most powerful evangelical preachers in the British history. And he wrote Amazing Grace. That came out of his heart. That came out of his life. And we sing that song, and it does mean something to us, but it means everything to him. That was the night he could have died, or he could have murdered someone. He was so angry. But God, he cried out to God. There is a power in crying out. When you get to the place where you can't handle it anymore, there is a power to cry out to God because he says he'll hear us. Call unto me, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you. He means that. Call unto him, and he will answer us. And talking about mercy, mercy is all that grace is plus um, a little something extra, I guess. Um, it comes from two words. Miserere means to have pity on or to have compassion on. And um, cordis, which is of the heart. So it means to have pity or compassion on someone from your heart, not from your mind, from your heart. And um, kindness that it compels you to forgive someone that you have authority over. So think about that. That's an example of a judge who has every right to put somebody away. But in his heart, he decides to give them another chance. Maybe young, first offense, whatever, I don't know. 
but the judge has the right to do that, and God has done that for us. And the coolest thing is that God's mercies are new every morning. Now, God doesn't have morning and night, right? There's no night in heaven. So he's waiting around for us to wake up to give us new mercy every single morning. So we can't run out. Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Is there anything in your life, anything that's going on in your job or your home life or whatever, that you're just saying, oh, I'm so glad those people are so faithful? There's no one who's totally faithful to us. There's no one who totally gives their love to us without expecting something in return because we're flawed, we're broken, we're in need of a Savior. And so Jesus bring, God brings grace, pours it onto us so that we can have the faith to say, you know what, I do believe that Jesus lived and died for me. I do believe that he poured out all of his blood so that I could live a victorious life in this life we have to live in. Just think about it, if we could live a regular life or a victorious life, which would you rather have? But we make the choices. We decide to not be victorious because we won't go to God with stuff. We try to work it out and work it out, and I try to think it out. Oh, my goodness. Try to think it and think it and figure it and analyze it. And you know what? That is such a waste of time. We just need to turn it all over to the Lord and thank him for his grace and thank him for his mercy. You know, he has the right to put us all away, but he loves us. All of this is about love, how much he loved us, that he gave his only son. I, I don't think I could give one of my kids for that. You know, he gave his only son, and Jesus, knowing what he was going to go through, willfully did it because he loves us there's so much love in God and you know it's like we're going to have to change how our mind thinks about God because we've been taught that God's mean he's a dictator he's a hard ruler uh, yes he's just he has to be and but the thing is is that we've been we've thought in our minds how we think he is and the way he is is here in the word it's not in our heads and you can talk to people at work all day long, and you'll get 20 opinions about who they think God is or what God does or what God says. But what happens is you come back to the Word and you measure it out. And you see if that's what he said, because this is his Word. And if you think about it, God gave Jesus. Jesus died and rose again and went back to him. But he said, I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm leaving you my Word. This is like he's leaving you his uh, his uh, testimony or epitaph or whatever. I'm leaving you all of this. This is all you're ever going to need. Read it. You know, he's telling us, read this. Listen to my word. Remember what I told you when I was here on earth. And then I'm going to leave with you the Holy Spirit. We forget about him sometimes. The Holy Spirit was given to us to be inside us when we accept the Lord. He's spirit and we can't see him, but we know he's there because you can feel him. We know he's in us. Also, he is beside us. He's our paraclete. So he not only walks inside you when you go somewhere that's tough, he walks beside you. And he told us, he said, I'm your comforter. If you're upset, the Holy Spirit is there for you. But you know what we do? We quench him. That's the word of, uh, you know, quiet down. Because we hear him speaking to us. 
but we don't always listen, and so we quench him. And you know what? He's so, he loves us so much, he never pushes. The Holy Spirit never pushes you into something. He leads you, he guides you, he, he talks to you in your heart, and he tells you what, what you need to do. And you know, all of the, the, the whole thing about sin, this is what really just blows me away, is that all of this talk about sin and grace, we've got people now that are, you know, raising Cain about you're preaching too much grace, people are going to get crazy and they're going to do more sins so they can get more grace. The kindness of the Lord is what calls us to repentance. If God does all that for me, that does not make me want to run out and sin some more. I, that's just so weird to me. You know, it doesn't make us do that. It makes us want to turn around. And the whole thing about sin is that when we realize we're in a sin, a particular sin or a sinful state or whatever, it's like we have to stop and realize God did not put guidelines and borders through his word to tell us, don't do this, don't go there, don't get involved in that, don't start that habit. That's not for him. It's for us. And we look at it like God's coming down on us. He's not. He's saying, I know what's at the end of that road for you. Please don't go down there. And the Holy Spirit says, I know how that relationship's going to turn out. Please don't go down that road. Please don't. And, and sometimes we listen. And we, we look back and we go, man, that was close. And then other times we do. We go that direction and we get there and we're like, God, I know you tried to tell me. I'm so sorry. But you know what? We don't have to beat ourselves and flog ourselves and get all, you know, freaked out about it. We just ask the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm agreeing with you. This is what, this is what uh, repentance is. When you say, Lord, I agree with you. I shouldn't have come down this path. It was wrong and I messed up. But I love you and I'm sorry and with everything in me, I'm going to try not to ever do that again. And we turn around and we look back at God. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not beating yourself up and making yourself feel horrible and, and doing penance and doing all this stuff. That's not what it is. God just says, I tried to tell you because I didn't want you to get hurt. That's what it's all about. And when we choose to be sin, to do sin, that, it hurts us, but we did it to ourselves. We listen to the enemy instead of to the Holy Spirit. And so if I could just encourage you today, this is, um, there's one more, there's one more uh, song. And before I say that, it's, it ends up being all about him and what he's done and not all about me and what I've done. Because we look at, at different things and we think, well, you know, I've done this or I've done that bad or I've done this or I've done that good. It's not about us. It's about him loving us and helping us walk through this world until he can come and take us home where there's no more of this. There's no more pain. There's no sorrow. There's no unforgiveness. There's no unrighteousness. Can, we can't imagine that. Our minds stop. We're finite. But God prepared a place for us to be there. And today, if you don't know him, it's so easy. We've made it so hard. But it is so easy God, I do believe the Bible, and I do believe Jesus died for me, and I do want to live for you, and I need the Holy Spirit to help me. That's it. And you know, God's going to give you opportunities through the week to share that different in your own way. You don't have to say it like that. That's my way. But in your own way to help someone and encourage someone to love God with all their heart and to have a place in heaven 
and to get through this life. And we're not just getting through, we are learning, we're growing. And that's how that happens so that we can ultimately one day arrive in heaven with our eyes open and begin to learn about all the good things and all the bad things will be gone. There's one more song, and I always laugh about this because my daughter that lives in Austin, um, she always says she can't sing very good. Monty would always laugh because she would say, I can't sing, you know. And so her husband is in a worship team, and so he sings really well. And so he sings Come Thou Fount to the little girls, you know, when it's bedtime or whatever. He sings that song, Come Thou Fount. And so one night he wasn't there, and Annie started singing Come Thou Fount to them. (laughs) And Nora looked up, she goes, that's not how daddy sings it, you know. <laughs> she was like, the words, the words, you know. But um, anyway, this one was written in 1758 um, by Rob Robinson. He had a rough childhood. His father died very young, and his mother couldn't control him. So she sent him to London to learn how to be a barber. Well, he didn't like that. So he started drinking and running with the gang, and at 17, he went with some friends to a fortune teller. They were all going to go and get their fortune told. So he went, and he just didn't like how it felt in there. He started, something started to bother him. And so he knew this revival was going on in town. So he told the guys, he goes, let's leave here, and let's go hear George Whitefield preach. And it was like a, you know, like a revival during the week. And so they went with him, and he said he knew when the guys started preaching, he was preaching him. He said, I knew I was supposed to be there, and it was for me. And he said, for three years, he thought about that sermon. Three years. That sermon went over and over in his head. And three years later, at the age of 23, God, these guys were young. At age 23, he entered the ministry, and he wrote a hymn for his church for Pentecost Sunday. And this is what it was. It was a prayer that the Holy Spirit flood into our hearts with his streams of mercy never ceasing, enabling us to sing God's praises and remain faithful to him as a prayer. And one of the lines says, Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart. Oh, take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. going to say a prayer um if any of anyone needs ministry afterwards um there you know who their prayer people are if you don't uh, you can just come up front and we'll pray with you but right now i just want us to take an inventory inside and just ask the holy spirit to speak to us about what he wants to say to us today in this place that we may never forget his grace and his mercy let's stand Father in heaven, we thank you so much with our finite minds. The only way we know how to say thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy and thank you that you did not leave us here without your word and your Holy Spirit. And thank you that one day we're going to go home with you and we're going to see you in all your glory. And this world will be a fleeting moment when we see you. And, Lord, I pray that if anybody here is struggling, Lord, if they're suffering with pain in their body or with pain in their mind, 
are dealing with a stupid thing they did years ago. I pray, God, right now you will release them from that. And Holy Spirit, comfort them. I pray that no one will refuse to be comforted of the Lord. Like your word says, don't refuse it. Be comforted of the Lord. He loves you. He loves you so much. God, we thank you for everything that you've done and everything you've taught us. And we continue, Lord, to hear your prayer and to hear your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.